On today's show, the Dallas Mavericks are still terrible in the fourth quarter, but they're winning. Spencer Dinwiddie can't get a free throw call, but Luka is still good. Which one of these things, or something else, is still sustainable? We'll talk about that coming up on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs. I don't believe you shouldn't be here. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. But the best way you can help us grow the show is to comment anything below. Let me know what's something you think the Mavs need to change. What's something that needs to change, like a player has to change, Jason Kidd has to change something? Let us know. Just one thing that they should change. Let us know. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And joining me, as always, my co host, writer, and contributor at Mavs.com, Sustainable Sultan, the one more thing king. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Guys, I'm really excited for these City Edition jerseys. They're coming up. They're debuting on Saturday. He's not being sarcastic. He has been I'm not. extremely sarcastic about past jerseys, so I know that you could be confused, but this one he's Guys, actually very excited no, no, about. Yeah. Here's the thing. The graffiti <laughs> ones a few years ago sucked. <laughs> I would not take one of those for free, all right? But these upcoming ones on Saturday, they're debuting on the 12th uh, against against the Trailblazers. Uh Man, just the marketing on down to the jerseys. There's a video that's coming out this week to launch them uh, on socials and stuff from the mat. Like, just so much stuff. Um, Yeah, man. It's awesome. It's the best city edition stuff we've had since they launched them. I want to go to the hangar with you on Saturday so that we can, like, I can see how much money you're going to spend on all this. I literally, (laughs) we literally had a budget conversation this weekend (laughs) and about just different things. And I haven't even brought this up yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, you know, I know we talked about the budget, but there's all this cool math stuff coming out. And then, listen, I know we're talking about a new (laughs) webcam because people complain about my my camera looking bad. Your wife just goes to your closet and is like, hmm. It's like the SpongeBob with the diapers thing. (laughs) You know what? It normally turns into. Well, do you want to sell some of your shoes? And I'm like, never mind. Um, I'm good. On today's show, we're going to play a game. Is it sustainable? I got a bunch of different stats and things about the Mavericks, how they play in the fourth quarter. It's bad, but they still win games. Uh, Luka Doncic has, is doing something no one else in the NBA is doing. Spencer Dinwiddie has a beef with the referees. We talked about the Tony mm. Brothers incident on our weekend episode, so go watch our post-game episode if you want to hear all that. I played the clip. Uh, that apparently I'm the only person in all of the world that got the footage of because I didn't see it anywhere else besides my Twitter. Uh, Spencer, Congrats to you, Spencer you, Dinwiddie's monologue. Uh, you you dropped the SoundCloud, <laughs> which was which was awesome. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it was cool seeing uh, your awareness as a reporter just to break out the phone and you know me. get the clip. You know me, capital J journalist over here. <laughs> TMZ Nick. <laughs> I'm just getting ready. Uh, all right, let's get in. Let's get into our first one. I talked about this stat a little while ago, and it still is just baffling to me. The Mavericks' offensive-defensive rating, so the points scored per 100 possessions and points 
allowed per 100 possessions. Basically, their, their efficiency. Like, how efficient are they at scoring and defending? In the first quarter, the Mavericks are the number one offense in the NBA. Great. They're the number one offense in the NBA throughout job, the whole Luca. game. They're this 22nd ranked defense. They still have a positive net rating of 7.4, which is great. So their offense is just carrying them in the first quarter. Luca's doing incredible. Second quarter, fifth ranked offense, still great. Third ranked defense. An incredible, incredible defense. They have a net rating of 20.9, which is just like astronomically high. They're an incredibly good second quarter team. Third it's the quarter. quarter that Lucas sits the most in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so solid in the first. So really good in the first quarter. Incredible in the second quarter. Third quarter, they're 22nd in offense. Mm. No idea. It like it's just dropping. It's completely just dropping out for them in a, a way where hot the, dogs at halftime. In a way where the second quarter doesn't, or the first quarter doesn't, because that's what first quarter is where Luca plays the whole time. Third quarter, Luca plays the whole time. So something is happening with Luca <laughs> between the first and the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter is the one I want to focus on. Ninth in offense, still great. Twenty eighth in defense, literally mm. third to last in defense. They have a negative three point four net rating. Uh, it's their only quarter that they have a net rating uh, that's negative in, and they're still winning games. They're they're five and three now. They've won three straight games. How are the Mavericks still winning despite being this bad in the fourth quarter defensively? Well, they have Luka Doncic, so that helps. There it is. Um, Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. It's been good. Uh, Brooklyn comes to town tonight. We'll see you tonight yeah. post game. Um, I'll I'll kind of turn in a little bit and say I. Th- you think something, or I'll ask a question back to you. Do you think it matters that it feels like the fourth quarter, the rotations are a little bit more up in the air compared to the other three? Yeah, the, the other three quarters, the rotations have been pretty much set. Besides the change of Dwight Powell and JaVale, like, and yeah. the only changes that have made have been in that fourth quarter, like figuring out how to close. Like The next stat I was going to bring up goes in tandem with this. The Mavericks have played eight games. Seven of them have been clutch games, meaning it's a close game late. And Orlando's played eight clutch games. They're the only other team to play more clutch games than the Mavericks so far this year. And the Mavericks net rating in clutch moments. So NBA defines clutch as five minutes left in the game. The score is within five points either way. They have a negative 22.8 net rating, which is just like extremely, extremely low. They're wildly bad in these clutch in these clutch moments, but they're four and three in these clutch games. There are only two other teams in the NBA that have a negative net rating in the clutch and are still winning. It's Memphis, they're 3 and 1. Minnesota is 2 and 1 and Dallas is 4 and 3 in these games. Yeah, so I wonder if this is something that will will level out a little bit. I wonder. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I don't know. Is if they land on a closing lineup. Something I would like to know is how many different players for the Mavericks have played clutch minutes compared to some other teams? Because it feels like there's been a lot of players that's played in played clutch minutes for the Mavericks because, you know, Christian Wood closed the OKC game. Yeah. Maxi closed another. You know, Dwight played, you know, a good chunk of clutch minutes the other night. How many different guys have played clutch minutes for for Dallas? Uh it could be around the same, so it could be irrelevant what I'm saying right now, but maybe it is something that as the season goes on and as they land on, let's just say it's that closing lineup with Maxi. The Bang Bros, Dinwiddie, and Luca. What if that is the closing lineup he lands on, and then we see a big enough sample size to where, you know, the next, I don't know, five to eight clutch games, it's mainly just that lineup 
to where they build some camaraderie, some chemistry in those tight, close moments. I don't know. It might not. But. They've had eight guys that have played clutch, like real clutch minutes. Hardy played like one clutch minute. But um, Dorian, Luca, Maxi, Reggie Bullock, Spencer Dinwiddie, Christian Wood, Dwight Powell, and Tim Hardaway. And yeah, it has seemed like Jason Kidd has decided, all right, this game, I'm going to leave Wood in and see what happens. All right, this game, Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting well and impacting the game. I'm going to leave him in. Uh, this game, Dinwiddie's not doing well, so I'm going to pull him and not let him close, right? Like, it just seems like they're really trying to figure out different lineups. Is that the right approach, or would you rather them stick with, all right, we just got our same lineup that we're going to throw out there at the end of games? Because even, wasn't it like the first, I think it was the first few regular season games. It could be the preseason games, Which so tell me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it the first few to where they brought Christian Wood back into the game with, like, two minutes to go. It was like this like weird kind of rotation of preseason, but yeah, they, they've tried it a couple times and it was like, so it's like stuff like that. I, I tend to be the person that leans towards let's bring the, the same crew back in. Like let's typically, um, of, Hey, we have our closing lineup, whether it's Christian Wood or Maxi, whoever it is, I think it's, it'll be Maxi, but, um, with Dinwiddie instead of Hardaway, I typically lean towards let's have that closing lineup together. Let's close with that most nights. Um, now, obviously, if Tim has 34 and, <laughs> you know, he's lighting it up, maybe that, you know, something different with that. But I tend to lean that route over the hot hand. Uh, interesting. Interesting. I, I think that I lean on the hot hand just a little bit more in some of these games because I think the a lot of the Mavs players are so close. Like, I, I just don't think that yeah. if you're talking about the difference between Wood and Maxi, they just give you different things. I wouldn't say one player is like – you know, astronomically better than the other. You're not talking about the difference between Jalen no, Brown yeah. and, and, you know, and uh, Hauser, right? Like on the Celtics, like you're not talking about that kind of a difference. Um, so coming up, let's talk about a couple other things. Are they sustainable? Luka Doncic is doing something no one else in the NBA is doing right now. Spencer Dinwiddie wishes he was doing something that every other player is doing. We'll talk about those two things coming up. Before we do, let me tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy where you pick two to five players and they they go to score more or less than their prize pick projection on points, rebounds, assists, whatever you decide. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. So go to prizepicks.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 if you use that. You can go and check out right now. I'm on the NBA. Ooh, Pistons versus Thunder. This is a good one for prize picks. Cade Cunningham, 21 and a half points. Isaac, over or under on that one? Um, Against the Thunder. Uh under under not a lot of players have scored 30 plus i think luca and anthony edwards are the only ones that i looked that up the other day uh sga he's on our tear right now 27 and a half is his over under on prize picks more or less for for sga over going over on that you put down 20 bucks you can win 60 if you put down 50 bucks you can win 150 put down 100 bucks you can win 300 i could also add more stuff to that i could take away and just do uh, I could do NFL, I could do NBA, I could do a whole bunch of different things. Go check it out. It's Prize Picks promo code locked on. All right, Isaac Harris, let's keep playing. Is it sustainable? I got a bunch of stats for you. We talked about the closing lineup, how the Mavericks are terrible in net rating in, in the in the fourth quarter, but they're still somehow winning these games. They have four clutch wins, which is more than most teams. And now let's talk about something Luka Doncic is doing that no one else is doing. Luca is doing what I asked him to do over the offseason. One thing I really wanted to focus on with Luca is, and he listened to me specifically <laughs> diet on this, he's hitting his two-point shots at an incredible rate, and especially his shots around the rim. 
He's shooting from two right now. 66.7%. An incredible, incredible rate. He's taking 15.4 of them. That's number among the there's 39 players in the NBA taking 10 two point shots or more in a game. So there's 39 players taking this number of shots. Luca is number one in percentage among all those players. Number one, and he's wow. taking 15. Like like he's I think he's fourth or fifth in the most two point shots. If you take that to all right, who's taking seven or more? Like if you take it from 10 shots to seven shots, Luca is fifth. Only Nick Claxton center. Aaron Gordon catching lobs, Laurie Markkinen, seven footer and Jokic are the only guys above Luca as far as two point percentage. And uh, he's just killing it right now in the mid range around the rim. What do you think is the difference between this year and last year for him? I think he's just being a little bit more aggressive and making the right decision. You know, the other day we, uh, you know, we threw out that <laughs> we were talking about his three point attempts in a game and, you know, trying to just land on a number and I threw out nine and a half. I was like, all right, let's track that this season. <laughs> and the other night against Toronto, you know, it was, somebody tweeted us like, hey, he didn't shoot not, you know, he didn't yeah. shoot over, you know, nine and a half. They won. So I actually looked it up. He shot over 10 two times this season. They were in losses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pelicans, he took 13. <laughs> Phoenix, he took 10. And then the other loss was OKC. He took six, but he missed all of them. So there's something, missed, there's something with Luca's three pointers and, and the Mavs winning. And, and then all the other ones, you know, he's he's took under under ten, and they've won every single one of those games <laughs> for the most part. I was that zero for six. Now, obviously, that doesn't tell, but like we were like jokingly throwing out the nine and a half number, and it is something I'm going to look at throughout the season. Like, let's see what that record is at the end of the year, um, just because it's that settling thing. And if teams are going to continue defending, you know, Toronto threw they threw so many different everything. defenses at at Luca, like everything you can imagine. But if if defense is going to continue to say, Luca, we will switch, switch heavy, no matter who we have, we're just going to leave them on an island with you because we don't want the other guys to get going. Then Luca has to like punish them and get to the paint, yes. get to the mid range, get to the rim, all of that. And I think that's more on him as a decision maker that in making just in just maturing as a player of like instead of settling for the step back three all the time. You know what I think is kind of an underrated part of Luca's game that has to do with the three-point shots that you're talking about? He, this going into this year, doesn't take a shot that he's not good at. He is not taking any shots that are, seem forced, that seem like, oh, the defense is giving me something, and I just got to react and do something. He's only going to do what he does, right? It's the, all right, I'm going to dribble, dribble, dribble move, and then my turnaround fadeaway through, like mid-range shot that he hit, and he just hits it all the time. He has yeah. his shot where he posts up some some guy or drives into somebody, bodies them. They he pushes them off a little bit and then uses the contact for balance and then throws up a little floater, even though it's like right at the rim layup. Like it's just those things that he's doing where he's taking those shots instead of like, all right, I'm gonna run in and try to do the, you know, uh, like a CJ McCollum mid range pull up. It's like that's not his game. That's that speed and running in and get, take a quick pull up shot. Like that's not him. It's it's the slow methodical stuff, and he's just. Like somehow the game has slowed down even more for him and it's affecting his shooting in the way that he can take these shots. I mean, he's also, he's taking an insane amount of, like listen to the, his two-point attempts per year. Rookie year, he took 9.3 two-point attempts a game. Last year, he took two point or 
This year's taking 15.4. Like, he is just yeah. like taking even more of these shots because he can get anywhere he wants on the court, and he's only taking the shots that are good for him and that he feels real confident in. And, and that's why he's averaging 36 a game. And yeah. it's, more of, it's more of that instead of the thing we hear all the time that we were joking about the other day on the show was, well, imagine if... He starts hitting the threes at a high clip. No, that's not that's not the imagine if. Imagine if he he continues to take over 15 two-pointers a game because and hit, that's and hits two-thirds of them. <laughs> yes, that's what's unstoppable because he's so big, he can shoot the ball so well from the two-point and get to the basket at will and finish over guys and all of that. That's the more dangerous thing instead of hey, what if he, you know, hits this certain percentage from 3 one day? Yeah, it's like, what if he became a completely different player and did this other thing that doesn't fit You know, his, his game like at a certain point? Um, but he is doing the thing that his game is really good at, just doing it at an even higher level than we even thought. And your question of, is this sustainable? Yes, it is. This one is confident. I, I'm confident in this one. If it was flip-flopped and it was, hey, Luca shooting, you know, he's shooting 39, 40% from three right now. Is that sustainable? I would say, no, it's not. <laughs> Just because we know the difficulty of a lot of threes that Luca takes, whether it's in the games or different times. But this, his two-point percentage and two-point attempts, I think that is sustainable. Here's one for uh, Luca and Dinwiddie. Um, Luke, t- taking shots off the dribble when you take seven or more dribbles. This is like the highest that NBA.com will allow you to, to track. Like if a player dribbles seven or more times before they take a shot. So it's not like they... they Dribble, pass, get it back, dribble again. It's consecutive dribbles and then a shot. Dinwiddie loves those between-the-leg dribbles. So there's only 19 players in the NBA taking five or more shot attempts off of seven or more dribbles. Luka and Dinwiddie are both in that in that group taking five or more attempts. Kyrie? Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch. Luka is shooting 54.6%. The only players shooting higher than him that are taking five or more, SGA at 64%, which is insane. Wow. Uh, Lillard shooting 61.3%, which is still great. Okay. Yeah. And our old friend, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Oh. <laughs> Jalen Brunson shooting 63%. He's he's killing it. He's only taking 5.7. Luca's taking 12.1. Like he's still taking a ton more of those than everybody else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. SGA's taking about eight. Luca's taking 12. Um, Dinwid- These are, again, shots off of seven or more dribbles. Dinwiddie's taking 5.3. Per game, and he's shooting forty-seven percent. That's better than Curry, Harden, CJ McCollum, Trey, uh, Paul George, and Trey Young. Trey Young shooting thirty-four percent off of these shots. Just awful, awful. Mm. Um, is that sustainable for both Luca and Dinwiddie for them to both be shooting this well off of all these like isolation dribble type moves? For the Luca one, I could just be done with this stat, but like, I mean, is that counting him bringing the ball up the floor too? Oh, that is a good question. Like, That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. With I don't. NBA.com like, doesn't that get makes, that specific with that because that you know takes a little bit. But still, I'm going to say him, it doesn't. I'm going to say it doesn't. But that's still him dribbling the ball all the way up the floor and then just taking a shot without passing the ball. So like, yeah, you kind of get that. Um, <clears throat> this one's hard. This one's hard to predict of if it's sustainable or not. I mean, sure, like. <laughs> I guess I don't, I'm not confident either way in this one. Yeah, this is more of a, just an impressive stat. Um, coming up, there's one about Dinwiddie though. He's got a beef with the refs, and he. I asked him about this about his free throw rate. It's the lowest in his career. Is that 
sustainable. Is his success sustainable unless he gets to the free throw line? We'll talk about that. And then a couple other Josh Green, Mavs three-point shooters. And then the Mavs, like, shot frequency. Like, the Mavs offensive profile. I have a thing on that I want to get into. Is it sustainable for them? We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac Harris. Spencer Dinwiddie, over the weekend, had some things to say about Tony Brothers. And after he was done talking about that, you can go listen to our post-game episode. I, I what did Tony call him? Talk, hey, hey, B-A-M-F. But not the one you're, but not the acronym you're thinking of. Um, he's only taking 1.8 free throw attempts per game. That's the lowest in his recent career. I think he took one per game in Detroit one year, but he barely ever played. 12.7% is his free throw rate right now. It's the lowest of his career by far. Here are players that are taking 13 or more shots, so the same as Dinwiddie, that have a lower free throw rate. Jamal Murray, coming back from injury, takes a lot of jump shots. CJ McCollum. Buddy Heald, Clay Thompson, and then Josh Giddey's kind of a weird one. But there's like those are like spot up shooters. They don't take a lot of free throws. These spot up shooters. And Dinwiddie's a driving guard. It's interesting to me. And what I asked Dinwiddie was, do you know that your free throw rate is the lowest in your career? And what do you attribute that to? The way you're taking contact or the calls you're getting? This was literally like right after his monologue about all the Tony Brothers oh, stuff. Oh, you really but leaned into. I was it. like, I was like, I got this stat ready, and I just want to ask him. And he said. Are my paint touches different? Am I taking less drives? And he's not. He's not taking less drives. His paint. He thinks his paint touches are still the same, and he's just not getting the calls. He's like, he's like, how many am I averaging? I said one point eight. He said, ain't no way, ain't no way. And he walked out. He walked out. He walked out of the room after his presser. Uh, Is this sustainable for him in in a bad way? Like, will he continue to shoot this many free throws, which is not many? No. No, he's going to shoot more than this because I think he's going to get more and more aggressive. Like we love when Spencer did when he drives to the basket and continues to punish the rim with these guys and he's going to get more free throws. Is it about how he's taking contact? Do you think he's just getting a bad whistle? He also had the offensive fouls the other night, two in a row that were just brutal, which is one of the reasons why he got the tech. I also don't think he's like trying to sell calls either. So. Mm. Uh, he's just focused on scoring. So, um, but yeah, I don't think he's getting, I don't think he's getting the right whistle. He can get, he definitely gets fouled and sometimes doesn't get called, but I also don't feel like he's flopping a lot either. He's just going with a mission to the goal. Right. And, and I feel like he's trying to get the right, get the right play and almost avoid contact so he can get a better shot off than trying to like just take the like what you saw James Harden do earlier this year where he or like or last year where James Harden was struggling and he's like I'm driving to the rim and it doesn't matter what happens I'm getting a foul call like I I have no intention yeah. of making this like taking this shot I'm just getting a foul call like Dinwiddie's doing the opposite of that he's like I'm going in and I'm going to try to get a good shot off to try and score for us uh because more pressure's on me this year than just to go and try and get a call which you yeah. know I'd rather him do that but he does need to get. He does need to get a better whistle. I don't know if complaining about Tony Brothers and doing everything he said over the weekend is going to get him that better call. Uh, what do you think? This is a question a couple of people asked me. Do you think that it's going to give the Mavs a bad whistle? Like the next time they get Tony Brothers, and he's like he remembers Spencer Dinwiddie's monologue about how he would rather not be called the words that Tony Brothers called him. Is that going to give the Mavs a bad whistle? I mean, can you can you hurt anything else with Tony Brothers? I mean, <laughs> he threw out Jason Kidd. I mean, there's a history and stuff there. So, I I don't yeah you know, I don't know any fan base that's like clamoring for a Tony Brothers you know performance there. But I mean, 
I don't know. I'm curious to see if any, I mean, do we hear about it anymore on Monday or moving forward? Or is this something the league's like, hey, we got bigger fish to fry right now. <laughs> so uh, we're not really uh, focusing on this. But it, it was, I, would, I do want to say yeah, that's ludicrous. Like if he was literally, if he'd literally told one of his teammates, which I believe Spencer, when he said that, yeah, um, that, I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, the, so, the NBA came out before the year and was like, we're going to promote ref and player relations and make sure that it's amicable between the two and try and cut down the amount of like screaming that players do at refs and call texts closer and all that kind of stuff. And they've been doing that. And then if it comes the other way, then it's like, okay, well, what are you guys complaining about? If it goes both ways, then, you know. T- on. Tony's just one of these dudes that you just can't like, you can't understand like what he calls text for. Like they had a tech rescinded last year, and I remember talking to somebody when they were talking about the rescinding, you know, process, whatever. Oh yeah, I remember. And like, and one of the like, what they were getting rescinded was just absolutely stupid. Like, what was called, like, what he called a tech for? You're just like, how? Like, how do you decide in that moment that 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 is a tech? And yeah, I'm not getting all details up, but it was just like it's stuff like that where you just don't understand. This is the human nature of refereeing, and you're just kind of at their mercy. Well, we dealt with this last year. Remember, Luca's 16th tech was like ridiculous, and we were we mm. were wondering like, how, what do they do to like actually submit to the league office? They have to actually call in to the league office, and over the weekend, a lot of times people aren't there. Like they just don't work over the weekend. There's a couple people there, but not many. And then so Monday, we'll probably hear something on Dinwiddie Monday, whether he's going to get a fine or he's going to get his tech rescinded. You know, like. There'll be a couple. Be things. cool if they were like, hey, Tony Brothers not going to ref a Mavericks game the rest of the year. He admitted <laughs> to it. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to cool off. Cooler heads prevail. Uh, one, let me give you one Josh Green one. His minutes have increased each of the last <laughs> four games. Is that sustainable? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to give me a different stat about his three-point percentage. His three-point uh, percentage is 61.5%. That, that one, I'm just going to give you an easy out. That's not sustainable, but it, best, it is a good best sign. Best in the NBA. It's a, it is the best in the NBA. <laughs> Who would just um, tweet that out? Um, the minutes. What was your, qu- what was your <laughs> Josh Green's minutes each of the last four games has increased. Is is that sustainable, or where does it like plateau? Um, he played twenty. I mean, twenty minutes last game. Four games ago, he played thirteen. I mean, I don't think it's going to continue growing by four to reach forty-eight. But uh, I think um, no. I mean, he does things well, so it's like. If they can figure out a way, I mean, you've been on this. If they can figure out a way to lower some of Dorian and Reggie's minutes, I mean, heck, lower some attempts too, and give like just skim the surface of all three of those guys, and then just give Josh some of those, and just unleash Josh and let him do some of these things. You need that. Like, I don't see him playing a big role in the playoffs, but you know what would be awesome for this team if he did, <laughs> and the trade market Ooh. is if is if Josh proves some value around the league of. Okay, like, oh man, this guy's roles, the good young guy's roles getting you know, better. He's getting more minutes. He's shooting the ball better, more opportunities, looking better and better. Like, you need that as a team and as an asset. I think they'll, I think they'll, if it's going to keep going up, it'll plateau around like 23, 24, maybe 25, where he starts getting in that range, which is where some of the other maps bench players are. But I like not having to play Bullock so many minutes and Dorian so many minutes and, Put Josh out there. And the Mavs have been really good when Josh Green's playing so far this year. Yeah. If, if <laughs> the, uh, the Mavs offensive profile is something I want to get into here. They're fourth in the NBA in offensive rating. 
It's, it would be the highest rating in France. It's 118 points per 100 possessions. It'd be the highest in franchise history, which would be crazy. Um, right now, here let, let's just talk about this. They're number two in uh, percentage of corner threes taken. So they're taking the second most corner threes in the NBA. They're number four in shots at the rim per percentage. About 40% of their shots are at the rim, which is nuts. And then they're 30th in the NBA in mid-range shots. Do you think that continues? Do you think that that's by design, or do you think that the Mavericks want to try something different on offense? 30th in mid-range. So they're last in mid-range, not taking any mid-ranges at all. Taking God, a ton this of is corner the most threes. numbers you've ever thrown at me. I know. ton of corner threes and a ton of shots at the rim. Yeah, yeah I think that's sustainable on what they want to do. Listen to their shots at the rim. 40% of their shots are coming at the rim. Last year it was at 27. What's the what, let, that's a good number to just focus on. Good. What's the difference between them taking 40 shots at the 40% of their shots at the rim this year and 27% of their shots at the rim last year? Better decisions by Luca, Christian Wood added to the lineup and Spencer Dinwiddie being bigger than Jalen Brunson. Oh, man, you're a casual. Absolutely. That that's absolutely what it is. And they're getting out in transition a little bit more. They're getting a couple more stops. I feel like that uh, yeah. that matters just a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's those three things that you mentioned. Christian Wood is is adding a lot because, and also at, put, throw Javale McGee in there too because you have Javale Dwight and Christian Wood that are all like only getting shots at the rim. Shout out to the the lineup. Well, Christian, well, Christian Wood's not, but Dwight and Javale McGee are. Yeah, shout out to uh, the lineup changing that. I was on the the corner three on the freak ninety seven one the freak on Saturday, <laughs> and uh, Katia asked me like, "Hey, you know, would you would you start you know Dwight over Javale right now?" I was like, "Guys, I was so wrong about Javale. Yes, I'd start <laughs> starting right now over uh, over Javale, and that was recorded on Friday. And then bam, it happened Friday night. I was like, "Oh crap!" They <laughs> really leaned into it like quick. But the, on the on the mid range shots, they're last in the NBA in percentage of mid range shots taken. Good. Who who on this team do you want taking mid range shots? That, that's besides? that's part of it. Twenty percent of their shots are coming in the mid range. That'd be the lowest percentage in Mavericks history by three point five percentage points. Like <laughs> that's a lot. That's super super low. They're high. Yeah, what do you think their their highest was? Two thousand six when they went to the finals, fifty three point three percent. Talk about the NBA changing. They're yeah. they're shooting fifty three percent of their shots in the mid range. Not even just at the rim and like not threes. Mid range. But like, tell me Phoenixes. Like what's what's Phoenix's mid range? Like I think a lot of that's roster construction too, For to where sure. if like you have a Chris Paul, you have a couple of these guys that you know Denwitty, you want him to get to the basket. Denwitty, he's going to take a spot up three. You got a guy like Luca that's going to handle the ball a ton. Like, you know, if this team had another, yeah, Phoenix is at thirty three point six. The Mavericks are at nineteen. The Mavericks are they're low. They're the lowest in the league by three point five percentage points. Like it, it's they're taking n- no mid range shots. Compared to everybody else. The highest is Atlanta at almost 40%. Wow. So the Mavs, yeah, I just, yeah. yeah, compared to the rest of the league, are taking no mid-range shots. It's by design. This is, this is what they're trying to do, and it's and, working. Yeah, and I think it's a combo of, one, the game like the game plan that works for them, but also roster construction, too, to where like if they had a third ball handler on this team that was a like a, like a Chris Paul, like a mid-range guy, that number would be a little bit higher or if they had a... You know, because like you don't want, I personally don't want Tim Hardaway just coming down and taking mid range shots all the time. So, Christian Wood, you're six eleven, like get to the basket or take a spot up three. Like that's kind of like what Spencer Dinwiddie's doing too, but a little smaller. So, 
outside of Luca, there's not a ton of guys on this team. You know, Brunson's gone. Yep. Uh, do you have their mid range from last year? Yeah, they were. Um, I want to say it was a little bit higher, probably with Brunson. I said yeah, but I like I knew where I knew uh, where to, I knew where to go get it. But <laughs> <laughs> you know how to use basketball reference. I'm I'm using cleaning the glass. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're at uh, 19.9 percent this year, right? So 20 percent of their shots are coming in the mid range. Last year, 32 percent. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the Jalen Brunson effect, you know, for sure. So. It's roster construction and, you know, what's the most efficient. And Luca getting the getting the rim more, which you talked about earlier. So there's yeah. a couple of things the Mavericks are doing. Let us know what you think they need to change or if any of those stats you think are not sustainable in the comments. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs, making us your first listen. Go listen to Lockdown Sports today, an incredible podcast covering all of sports, including the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and more. Check it out, Lockdown Sports today. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom.